Well, we're continuing our series entitled Fearless. And this moment in which we live, God's calling us and challenging us to live fearless lives. Right now, as I talk to so many people, I find out people are saying things like, I can't believe we're in this moment. How could we be here? How is it that this is going on? At times, it seems like we're in a sci-fi movie. I mean, words like lockdown and quarantine and words that we've never used before, we're using in our everyday language. I said to the staff just this past week, it seems like we're in that moment in the movie, The Wizard of Oz, in which Dorothy's in the house and it's spinning and she looks out the window and everything's flying by. It's kind of like that right now. Seems like instability and uncertainty is all around us. And I can say along with Dorothy, we're no longer in Kansas. Things are different today. I'm hearing people say, I can't wait till things get better. I wish that this was this. I wish this could happen and I wish that could happen. And I was just pondering how we'd like life to be different. We would wish for things to be different. Kind of the, the uh, mythological picking up the genie's bottle and rubbing it and getting three wishes. Do you know there's actually, there's actually data on that? That if people were given three wishes, uh, that they could just ask the genie, so to speak, what would they wish for in life? And you know what they say? That inevitably, the number one wish that people would wish for is they would wish for more wishes. Does that not tell us something about human nature? Yes, it does. Wish for more wishes. And then there are some people that say they would wish that they had an identical twin. I thought about that. If there was... An identical twin, which one would Denise have married, Jim or him? I don't know. I would trust that she would have still married, married Jim. But in the top of wishes in life, people, they tell us people would wish for a world of peace. Hmm. I think that's where we're at right now. I think people are wishing that things were peaceful, that things were settled, there was less stress less anxiety, less fear in our world today. Emerging from a moment of American history, it's in a time in which it's called the Korean conflict. We more frequently call it the Korean War. There was a time in which the Marine troops of, of Company George, Bloody George as they were called, were at a moment in which Opposition was surmounting against them. Supplies were low and they were facing a bitter winter. There was a wartime correspondent there at that moment. And he walked up to one of the Marines of George Company and asked him, if you could have anything, what would you wish for? That Marine soldier, his coat was soiled from battle there was ice encrusted upon his beard. He thought for a moment and then he replied, I would wish for tomorrow. For you see, tomorrow represented to him that he would survive the moment and it would be a different time and would be a different experience. I would wish for tomorrow. With that in mind, I want to speak on the subject this weekend a day called tomorrow, a day 
called tomorrow. And for that, I want to direct our attention to the book of Joshua chapter 3. The account in Joshua chapter 3 is of God's people, the Israelites. They had spent 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years in, can I say, lockdown. There was a travel restriction upon them. And now the moment came they could enter the promised land. Moses, the great patriarch, the great leader, passed away. And now it's, it's Joshua. He's at the helm of leadership. And he's going to send out a message that God's going to lead us across the Jordan and take us into the promise and the land that God said he was going to give. And the next morning, they were going to embark upon that journey. And it was going to be a new moment for them. He tells the children of Israel, you tell you and you see the leaders and the priests. and They're going to be bearing the Ark of the Covenant. You just follow them. And that brings me to the scriptures I want to share with you. Joshua chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. It says, and then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. That's so true of us right now. We're going away. We've never been before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Verse 5. Joshua told the people. Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. A day called tomorrow. We see that Joshua told the people, when you see the priests and they begin to bear the ark, they're going into the land, you follow them. Now keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits. Wow, much is a cubit, 18 inches. So in other words... About 3,000 feet between them and the ark. That's social distancing. I mean, that's a new definition of social distancing. I, I was thinking about that as I was reading the text. I'm glad we don't have that kind of social distancing now over a half a mile. Can I imagine Denise bringing my, my dinner to me a half a mile away and sitting it down and say, oh, Denise, what about the salt? She'd have to go back another half a mile and bring the salt. I'm glad we don't face that today. But, but now... They're going in and, he, and the Lord says, you're going to go away. You've never been before. And tomorrow, God's going to do great things among you. I'm here to say that we're living in a day called tomorrow. God is calling us to a level of trust in him. Yes, we're going away. We've never been before. We've never faced this before in America. You've never faced this before with your family, your business, and your career. We're going away. We've never been before. But I want you to know we're going to live in God's tomorrow. And God is calling us to this moment to have hope in him. There's two thoughts I want to deposit in our hearts uh, this weekend. And the first thought I want to share with you is God's promises always display God's providence. God's promises display God's providence. Here's what it says in verse number four again. That, that you're going to go away you've never been before. You're going to chart new territory. But you're going to enter the promised land as you chart new territory. You're going to trust the Lord. And what it is saying, every one of us, there's a promise in your heart. Students, you had a promise that you were going to Go to college in your heart. You believe that God put that in your heart in your career, that you're going to have, have a job in this field. 
Some of you took a job, relocated, and you did it based upon a promise you feel like God gave you. And right now, you feel like you're going away you've never been before. You're going to trust God. And God's promises always display God's providence in our life. Now, the word providence is a word that most of us don't use every day in our vocabulary. Providence. We've heard it, but perhaps we really don't know what it means. Particularly our students and our kids. Let me kind of define the word providence. Providence. It, it, the, the words it sounds like actually defines it. Providence. Provide. It speaks of provision. Providence. Residence. Provide. Residence. Providence speaks of the idea that God is providing for us a place and a, and a destiny we're to be at. That's the providence of God. The providence of God says that your future, your outcome, the goal, the purpose he has in mind for you is one that he has selected. And we trust the providence that God's going to provide and get us to the residence, the place we need to be. And in the meantime, we hold on to God's promises. For you see, God sees where we need to be and he's going to supply what we need. God sees where we need to be and he's going to supply what we need. Nothing is going to dislodge God's promise in your life. It's not going to undo what God purposed he would do for you. God is going to be there for us in this moment and in this time. I know right now, it's a white knuckle moment. We're unsure how it's going to come about. We're, we're asking, but what, what, what if and could it be? Let me just remind us if I can. The unknown, the unknown minus God always equals fear. In fact, we actually have a phrase, the fear of the unknown. The unknown minus God always equals fear. What if it lasts longer? What if it goes into a shutdown? What if I'm laid off? What if income goes down? What if, what if, what if, what if a family member gets sick? We, the fear of the unknown, the fear is a product of not holding and seeing God's promise in the moment. The unknown plus God's promises equals faith. The unknown plus God's promises equals faith. We move from what if to even if. Even if it lasts longer. Even, even if things are tied. Even if there's a downsizing. Even if there are a layoff. Even if there's, there's economic downturn. We will trust God. Faith puts our life under the jurisdiction of God's care. God has a pin on his map. It's his providence. He says, this is the place, the residence, and I'm going to provide everything to get you to the place, the residence that I have for My providence says you will be here. And God says he's going to provide everything we need in order, in order to reach the goal and the place he has for us. The promises of God display displayed in our life over and over again, the providence of God. Recently, in all that was going on, I, I found myself, I was just needing to medicate myself with some 
Mexican food. I mean, things were down. We're stuck in the house, can't do what we normally do. And I just decided, you know, I just need some, I need some good Mexican food. That just seemed like that was going to make me feel better. So I decided to go to the grocery store and pick up what we needed. I wanted some, I wanted some taco meat and some, and some uh, pinto beans. I mean, that just seemed like that was going to hit the spot. I went to the grocery store. There are no pinto beans and there's no taco meat. What is going on? No, no tacos or frijoles. Now things are really getting serious. There's, now we really need to pray. So what do I do? I begin to look around and I found canned tuna and lima beans. Lima beans. Lima beans. I believe lima beans is what the Philistines ate and they were the enemies of God. I mean, lima beans, that's nothing of what I want to have. Lima beans, I don't think I'm going to get to heaven and angels serve me lima beans at the marriage supper of the land. I, I somehow can't imagine that. I believe when I get to heaven, angels are going to say at the marriage supper, paracho or refried. I believe that's what they're going to say. But lima beans, my goodness. But there's a lesson in that. Because the, the grocery store didn't have what I wanted, I adjusted what I wanted. And I found something else. Right now, that's where we're at in America. Not everything we want is right there. Not everything we hope and pray for it is immediate in our hand. We're kind of in America, a lima bean moment in America. And we're just going to adjust in the moment right now. But I want to encourage you. We're just on a detour. Yes, the boat may be rocking, but the captain is still on the ship. God is still in control. God is still working. God is still on our side. God is still doing things in our life. God is still in control in our life, even though AGB doesn't have toilet paper right now. God is in control. Things do not change or alter God. And I want to encourage us during this time. Let's pray scripture. Could I invite you to do that? Around the house, doing chores, driving to work, if you're going to work or whatever the case may be. The scriptures that we know, let's pray them. Not just quote them, read them. But let's make it our prayer. My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's what God's going to do. Let's pray the 23rd Psalm. The Lord God, you're my shepherd and I shall not want. God, right now, I pray to you. I pray you'll lead me in the right path. God, I pray you'll be beside me. I pray you'll lead us beside still waters. God, I pray. Pray scripture right now. In other words, let the promises of God, his word, display and remind you of the providence of God in your life. There have been two tough times in the economy that I can recall in recent years. One, the latter part of the 1980s for early part of the 1990s, there was the SNL crisis. Oil prices just plummeted, hit rock bottom. Savings and loans across America and all throughout Texas went bankrupt, went insolvent. There was another time, 2009, we call it 
the Great Recession. Tough times in the economy, tough times in America. I'm talking about the promises display the providence of God. And as I was reflecting on it this week, in both of those times, tough economic times, this church strategically took a step and we were able to secure additional land at a reduced cost, at a price we could have, we could have never hoped to get otherwise. Property that was effectively out of our price range beforehand. During that moment, that tough time, we were able to secure property. And this church, this building that I'm in today that we frequently worship in, we purchased it during a tough economic time. And because of that, the price was reduced. It just reminds me, when circumstances seem challenging, when things seem like they're at their worst, we hold on to the promises of God because they point to the providence of God in our lives. Someone has said, God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footstep in the sea and he rides upon the storm. Deep and unfathomable minds of never failing skill. He treasures up his bright designs and he works his sovereign will. So judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. For behind a frowning province, God hides a smiling face. I want you to know, we need to know. Things may not be as we'd hoped and wished, but you're living in a day called tomorrow. You're living in a day in which God's going to do wonders among you. And which God's going to take what may seem the worst and you're going to watch God engineer and open doors. And things that never saw possible, new, new industries are going to open up and new jobs are going to be created by, by the tragedy and the crisis that we're in now. And God's going to take care of you. That is his promise. Second, all I want to share with you, not only does God's promises display the God's providence, I would also share with us that we can trust God's heart when we can't see God's hand. Isn't that good news? You can trust God's heart even when you can't see God's hand. I, I, I'll be honest with you, there's things happening right now. I can't explain it. People say, what do you think God's doing in this? I, I, I don't know. I have a hunch, but I can, I can say there's areas I, I truly don't know. But I... Trust God's heart even when I can't see God's hands. And this is also in Joshua chapter number three. Let me go on down the story. The Bible says that the priest, they're carrying the ark. They move into the river Jordan. The Bible says that they put their feet in the water. The water is at flood stage. I, I, don't think a little stream. I want you to think a torrent of, uh, here in Texas, a flash flood. A flash flood is occurring. A flash flood is occurring. 
And God says, you cross now during the flash flood. And they, they step out. And as soon as the priest, their feet hit the water, the Bible tells us something else happened 19 miles upstream. Let me read the verses for you. They're in Joshua chapter three, verses 15 and 16. And it says, now the Jordan River's at flood stage during all, uh, stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carry the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, verse 16, the water upstream stopped flowing and it piled up into a heap a great distance away. I want you to catch that. As soon as the priests put their feet in the water, they're going to the promised land. We talked about, we hold on to God's promise. They put their feet into the Jordan River at flood stage when things were worse, where things were the most dangerous, when it was the most risky to do it. They put their feet in the River Jordan. What happens? 19 miles upstream, the scripture says a great distance away. We've actually located, we know where this place is in Israel. I've been to Israel several times. 19 miles from where they crossed over, upstream is a place. There's actually a, a, an excavation there. And they found something interesting about that place. It is susceptible to seismic activity. Yes, earthquakes. In fact, it was in 1927. There was a, an, an earthquake in that area. And it caused the Jordan River for 21 hours to stop flowing. The, the water was diverted, just as the scripture says. And isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that God says they crossed at this point and the very place where it is susceptible to seismic activity actually happened in uh, 1927. The waters were piled up. How, how did that happen? I'll tell you, I'm gonna read this in scripture. This is my heart saying, God's hand, it went down. Sometimes I can't see God's hand I trust his heart. 19 miles upstream, God put his hand down. Perhaps the earth shook, maybe it was seismic activity. Uh, God used a natural phenomenon at the very moment. And the Bible says, and the water stopped flowing and God's people moved in. Now here's my question to us. What happened to the water that stopped flowing? It didn't disappear didn't freeze. When, when a river is raging, a, ma a massive flash flood is coming and you stop it, what happens? The water begins to flood into other areas. Here it is. When it was stopped 19 miles upstream, the water flowed in tributaries and streams and filled low areas and ponds that had gone dry. It filled up areas so that God's people could cross in, over into dry land where they were at. But God knew in just a few days they were going to need water. God knew in a few days they would be on the other side of Jordan and they would be in their journey in the promised land and they would need water at that moment. So God, 19 miles upstream, stops the water, redirects it, diverts it, fills up the ponds and the tributaries because God was providing for them. When you can't see God's hand, always trust God's heart. The roadblocks today become the blessings tomorrow. That's the way God works. The roadblocks today become the blessing for tomorrow. The scripture tells us 
that the steps, and I'll say the stops of a good man are ordered of the Lord. God guides and God directs your steps, but right now, God is guiding and directing our stops. I trust God's heart. Trust God's heart in your life. Trust God's heart for your family right now. God is not going to walk out on you. The heart of God is to care for his people. The heart of God is to watch over his people. The heart of God is to care for you. You and I can trust God's heart. And we know that trusting God is how we live. Moreover, I would add, trust. Trust is the basis of our walk of faith. Trust is, is how we negotiate from day to day. We don't, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And we can have a fearless faith, faith in the face of these challenging days and these challenging circumstances. Trust where God is leading you. Trust where God is leading you, even though you don't know how God is working it out. I know God's leading us and I know God's leading you. Your heart tells you that. You may not be able to see how God's going to work it out. That's all right. That's all right. Just trust God's leading. Rely upon God's leading. And God will see us through this. God will see you through it. My viewpoint, trust God's standpoint. My viewpoint, how I look at life, how I see life right now, what may come tomorrow, how this thing may go for weeks or months, how it may affect the economy. People are asking me all day, pastor, what do you think? Uh, my, my viewpoint is trusting God's standpoint. Pastor, what do you think is going to happen? I'll just tell them what God's word says. I'll just tell you what, what scripture says. To trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God. And God will direct your path. You can trust where God's leading, even though you don't know what God's doing, how it's going to happen. I can assure you of that. The Bible tells me the Lord is our shepherd. It speaks of care and trust. You see, God, he sees things complete. We see things incomplete. God, he sees things perfect. We see things imperfect. God sees things clearly. We don't. They're always clouded by our fears and our uncertainty. And I'm going to call us to stand in faith. We can trust the Lord. I'm reminded of a lady. She's in heaven now. I used to call her endearingly Sister McKinney. Sister McKinney was one of those persons of faith that served God and trusted God every day. Never deviated, just loved the Lord. Her and her husband served the church, served the Lord, stood steadfast in God's word. Sister McKinney was just an example of what a faithful Christ follower is. Sister McKinney's husband passed on, went to be with the Lord. She continued to live and be a source of encouragement in the church and to others. But then all of a sudden, 
her health began to change. She looked at the possibility of having to move out of her house that had been her life, her world, just the, the thing that was so dear to her. She was looking at going into assisted living. She was going to a place she's never been before. Just as it says in verse number four there, you're gonna go away, you've never been before. And she was in that moment, it was in real time. I was making a home visit with Sister McKinney and we were discussing this. And she was expressing to me her concerns and her, her fears and giving up her home and everything that she had and making an adjustment she did not want to make. And she asked me, she called me Brother Ryan. Brother Ryan, what am I going to do? And I just, in that moment, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave me a prophetic word to share with her. Just clear it came to my heart. And I told Sister McKinney this, and I'm going to share it with you now. God's too wise to make a mistake. He's too powerful to fail you. And he loves you too much to hurt you. When I gave that word to Sister McKinney, I saw her head shake and God had given her what she needed. She could trust God's heart even though she couldn't see God's hand in the moment. I shared that with you. God's too wise to make a mistake. He's too powerful. He's never going to fail you. And he loves you too much to hurt you. I'm going to close in prayer. If you're in a living room or a gathering, your family's nearby, would you just right now bow your head and let's pray together. Perhaps you want to gather the children around you, the kids around you. That may be convenient, may not be, but if it is, let's bow our head for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, Shepherd, Savior, Lord, thank you for being with us in time of need. We're reminded your presence is there and we can trust your heart. And we do. We pray over families right now. There are individuals in living rooms and settings and round kitchen tables perhaps. I pray your blessing. There, there are persons right now that are uncertain about their career, their future, about their paycheck and their livelihood. God, assure them. Assure them. Give them a promise. Remind them of your care. For those who have some underlining health issues, and when they keep hearing the word that those who have underlying health issues are most susceptible during this time, I pray, God, peace, assurance, and comfort to their life. And we know we can trust you with all things. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.